Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known. Well, unfortunately, my wife is over taking care of the kids, but today is her birthday and Don's birthday. See, the problem of it is we have cake for everything but a birthday. I don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> well, a song was running through my mind. It had a lot to do with the sermon I'm doing today. And it was probably when we all see Jesus. And it goes, when we all see Jesus, what a wonderful day that will be. When we all get to heaven, there's a problem with the song. The problem is, will Jesus be pleased to see us? <laughs> it changes it dramatically, doesn't it? And what's with us all? See, this is the American, I'm, I'm going to debunk the American myth. This is how it goes, that uh, you're young, get out of school, get out of college possibly, Work hard, get a house, get married, have wonderful children, nothing ever goes wrong. Maybe occasionally there's a glitch here and there. Finally, you get to the, the end of your life, sitting back in your rocking chair, 75, 80 years old, and then you die and you go to heaven. Is this the American dream or what? What a load of horse manure. <laughs> but our whole country is based on that, and the church has only kind of prompted it. So many churches, if you come to church, give your tithe, fill the seat. In fact, uh, one of the elders met a pastor locally that said he was interested in one thing, growing his church. His, get the his in here, growing his church. Well, what has the kingdom of God got to do with growing his church? And that's the problem we have, and that's why I wanted to talk about coming to one census. Father in heaven, I thank you and praise you that as we gather together to hear your word, Lord. Open our ears, open our eyes, and then especially our hearts, that we would see, feel, and hear Jesus. And I thank you for that and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be talking about two men of entirely different circumstances winding up in the same place. And the first one, of course, is something you're very familiar with, it's called the uh, par- parable of the, uh, of the sun. 
Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? Now, I can relate to that particular uh, piece of scripture. But a simple fact, although I didn't have a rich father, I didn't have any means whatsoever. But what I did have was a Philistine comic book with a big ad of fireworks on the back page when I was a kid. And I would have sold everything and anything to get a hold of those fireworks. Of course, at that time, New York was completely illegal. But that comic book, and every comic book I saw had the same kind of ad. I wanted to get those Roman candles, those rockets. I would have sold anything. But again, I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the uh, traveling ability. And I certainly didn't have the wherewithal to do that. So, but that's not changing the heart. This young man had that. See, if I had that, I would have got the fireworks. Beg, borrow, steal, whatever it took. I was nine years old. I didn't care. Didn't have much common sense at all. I don't know how much I've got now, but I got a little bit more than I had then. As a result of that, I yearned to have these things. And every time I got a comic book, it only enhanced it. It got bigger and bigger in my mind. Well, that's what this young man did. Someplace along the line, he got a hold of a Philistine comic book. And on the back page was all the lures of the world. But he did have the means. How he used them was just about terrible. But he had the means. And so as a result of that, he used devious methods and finally got to the place where he thought his heart would be fulfilled. The same as me. Those uh, fireworks... Uh, what would it last? Maybe a half hour? And what would it cost? $50? And what have done to me? I, I got a, uh, I'm a big New York Giants fan. Well, guess who blew their hand off two years ago with fireworks? One of the major players for the Giants playing around with the fireworks and it blew three of his fingers off. Now, here's a grown man. Kids have no understanding of the concept of the danger they're in. And this young man didn't either. He thought if he could get out there, things would be great. Things would fall on the line. He'd have all the money and all the friends he would ever need. But, of course, we find out where he wound up. How did he wind up? He longed to stomach for the pods that the pigs were eating. You've got to realize this is an Israeli boy. And what are we talking about? Not only is he in the swine herd, but he's yearning to eat the same things the pigs are eating. This is the most abhorrent thing that could happen to an Israelite. And that's how far he's sunk. But see, when we don't come to our senses, we can sink the same way. There is a degree of failure that kind of gravitates to the lowest level. Uh, on TV some years ago, uh, and it was much better then than it is now, but it was terrible then. 
and we have come to the conclusion, my wife and I, we would not watch these programs any longer because they were all gravitating toward sex, money, uh, whatever the case may be, that that's not what we wanted for ourselves and our children. So we made a list of the programs we could watch. Very few, but there were decent programs. Ozzy and Harriet and uh, My Three Sons and all those. Well, the bottom line of it is we forgot one thing. The commercials. <laughs> the commercials were ten times worse than the programs. So as a result of that, we had to abandon the whole thing. But uh, fortunately, at that time, we came to our senses. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. People coming to their senses. Now, we find out later on, and we'll get into it a little later, that this young man came to his senses also. So he's one of the guys I wanted to talk about. Number two, Skip, would you put that up? A different scenario altogether. A different scenario. This guy, was, in fact, he was a holy man of God. And this is in Isaiah 6.5. Isaiah cries, woe unto me, I cried. I am a ruin, for I have, am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now here's a man anointed by God, set aside to do God's work. But nevertheless, he winds up to be in a position where he is morally correct. Not godly correct, morally correct. Because he's passing judgment. And we're going to get into that too. So we've got two men of two entirely different backgrounds winding up in the same place. Remember what I said? When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that'll be. When we all see Jesus. Well, with mindsets like this, if they didn't come to their senses, neither one of them would have seen Jesus. They were in a desperate situation. They had left all that they had and it relied on their own understanding. Proverbs 5, 3 talk about that. Not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways follow him. They forgot that. They went on their own direction. And their hearts decided, I know best what's for me. Uh, I know there are people in the church that feels the same way. But the bottom of the whole thing is that unless you change your way and come to your senses, you'll be at the beginning of the story instead of at the end of the story where I'm going with this. This is a terrible place to be. If you're living the American dream and we all get to heaven, well, what makes you think you're going to get to heaven? When we all see Jesus, and again, what makes you think Jesus wants to see you? It's a good question. And it's a great song. But the problem of it is not, we're not all going to get to heaven. Some of you right here are going to go to hell. Got quiet, huh? But unfortunately, unless you come to your senses, it's the truth. Some of you are living a life now like the American dream. Everything is about, what was the American dream about to begin with? Me. All about me or you, whatever the case may be. All about what I need, what I want, and how it will all work out for me. And then you gave Jesus a little bit of time on Sunday. In fact, that was a necessary part of the American dream. You went to church on Sunday years ago. That's no longer, even that has fallen by the wayside to some degree. You brought your children into church. You were proud of your children, had nice combed hair, and everyone was looking at your kids, and you felt great about that. 
And then you went home and lived the life of the American dream, which was anything but Jesus Christ. In fact, I'd venture to say that probably every one of these families I'm kind of pertaining to would have a Bible in the house, but I would say most of the people in the family wouldn't know where to find it. It's there somewhere. That was the American dream, and that's what the church promoted, believe it or not. That was promoted in the church because it was never told to people very few times that you're going to go to hell unless you get on board with Jesus Christ. Now, what is being on board with Jesus? Further, in the kingdom of God, it's not rocket science. Matthew 28 says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. I want you to go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them everything I've taught you. And then I'll be with you for all times. And making disciples of the nations. That's what Jesus is expecting. He didn't put us on this earth so that we would have the American dream. He gave us a country so vast and so full of good things. And believe me, I'm not against having the good things of the Lord season fit to put it in your possession. The problem of it is how are you using them? What are you doing with them? What are you doing with all the glory that God just kind of poured out? Not glory, but blessings poured out for each person. What are you doing with them? And the answer has to be, is this somewhat anywhere near following Jesus? Or am I living for myself and my family? I talked with a young couple, going to be married in a month. And it's so easy when they're dating for everything and being so frilly and funny and happy-go-lucky. But when it gets to the bottom line, who and what are you loyal to? And I had to explain to him, Jesus had to be first. And then, young man, you have to be loyal to your wife. And young woman, you have to be loyal to your husband. That's number two. The question of it is, and already I could see him thinking, because I know some of his background, there's a lot of things he's going to have to give up. Friends. Imagine friends that he's had maybe for a lifetime that were of the same thinking that he had But now, since he has declared Christ to be his savior, he can't hang out with those friends anymore. And I can look around here, and I know myself, there had been a parting of friendships over the years because of what I did receiving Jesus and what they thought was absolutely crazy. So there was a parting of friendships. Now there's a parting of bad habits. I smoked, I drank, there was no drugs when I was a kid, so I didn't take those. I probably would have. But they had to go too. Why was that? Well, God says, you're the temple of my spirit. I can't have you defile that. And since I was brand new born again, I was anxious to please him. But someplace along the line, that anxiousness, that excitement, that zeal, seems to kind of fall off a little bit. And the world is always trying to produce out of us something that they love and see. See, if you're part of the world, the world will love you, and if you're not, they'll hate you. Jesus says that. And certainly, who likes to be hated? Now, I'm kind of a C person. I like people to like me. Uh, I remember years ago, there was one man in church, not this church, but another church. The more I try to get close to him, 
the more he wanted to get further away from me. And Marsha finally says, leave the guy alone. Leave him alone. He just plain doesn't like you. Oh, I couldn't stand to hear that. But it was the truth. It says in scripture, we're not going to like everyone. Everyone's not going to like us. But whoever we can like and whoever can like us, that's all great. And that's wonderful. But the point of what I'm trying to make here is I wanted to be loved by the world. This man, I didn't know what he was, but I wanted his love. I wanted his attention, and he wasn't giving it to me. Now, what should I have been looking for? The love of Jesus. The love our Savior has for each one of us that took him to the cross. But no, I wanted some of the world. Well, at any rate, we get to the next section here. And Skip, could you put that up, please? So this young man left his family, took the money he had, went and bought the fireworks, got his fingers burned, and now he's uh, with three fingers missing and a pigsty, and he's feeding pigs. It's not quite the adventure he thought it was going to be. In fact, it's so far removed from he envisioned what his life would be when he left his father's house that it was unbearable. And then, as I mentioned before, an Israelite feeding pigs. Can you imagine this? How bad can it get? But sometimes we find ourselves in those positions. How bad can it get? Did you ever look at your own life as feeding pigs? See, that's an analogy. That can cover a lot of, lot of circumstances, a lot of areas of what we do outside of God. And it only spirals down further and further and further. And the problem of it is, sometimes we can't even see it. Sometimes we think that we're okay. Everything is okay. I can turn this around. I can stop smoking tomorrow if I want it. How many have you heard that? <laughs> well, you know, if you've ever smoked, everyone said it, and it's not possible. It takes some perseverance, some hard will. Now they've got even medications to help you along. But the saying is common. I can stop that tomorrow. It doesn't have a hold on me. The world has a hold on those that do not accept Jesus. <clears throat> and it's just as difficult to let go of that as it would be for any drug. Any addiction whatsoever would have you maybe even lesser. Because the world has such a, a blanket of things it covers. Where a drug has maybe one, two, three different things. As a result of that, trying to give it up. Well, I can give that up. And guess what? Without Jesus, you haven't got a chance. It's all about you and Jesus. And leaving Jesus out of the equation, there is no chance you can give anything in your life up that is not good and that Jesus doesn't seem to bless. It's impossible to give it up. You may say, well, I've given up smoking. The problem with giving something up and you're not in Christ is you give it up to go to something else. Now, when I gave up smoking before I came to Christ, I was addicted to candy and put on 35 pounds. Quick, quickly, just addicted to the candy. Now I couldn't stop eating the candy. Well, what's worse? I'm going to die of lung failure or I'm going to die of obesity, whichever the case may be. It's going to have power over me until I came to Christ. Now, what I'm going to tell you has nothing to do with anyone. This is my own personal testimony. 
The day I received Jesus Christ, the very day he said to me, and he talked to me. I haven't heard his voice in a long time, but he talked to me early. I needed to hear him say to me, son, you are my son now and the temple of my Holy Spirit. No longer defile yourself with whatever you're taking into your system. And it was the last day I smoked. But as I said, that was my testimony. Everyone has their own testimony. Everyone God handles, he handles specifically as their own. Don't ever try to live on someone else's testimony. It'll fail. But back to the point. Without Christ, there's no way of stopping the spiraling down into the pigsty. Are you in a pigsty today? See, we look at these things as being the mud and all the filth and the dirt. There are different kinds of pigsties. Some of them are very attractive. They don't look like a pigsty at all. In fact, they look like something like the back of that comic book with all the fireworks. And I'd like to have some of that. And the Lord is saying, don't do it. Don't put your hand on that stove. You're going to get burned. So at any rate, we've got this young man here. He's out there feeding the pigs. And finally, he comes to a position like every one of us had to come to and some of us need to come to even today of coming to his senses. Skip, could you put the next scriptures up? So we got Isaiah saying, and to you who add houses to houses and join fields to fields and fields to space and so on and so forth, you live alone in the land. Woe to you. Next one. Woe to you. Next one, Skip. Woe to you. Woe to you. This is Isaiah. He's got such a problem with his flock that all he's doing is pointing his finger out. Woe to you. Woe to you. Of course, we find out later on that as he is saying woe to all these people, you know what he finds out? He should be pointing his finger at himself. And he comes to that conclusion. When Jesus talks about it. Now you can go to the next scripture. If you would, Skip. This is in Romans 2.1. one. says, you're without an excuse. You pass judgment on someone else for whatever point you judge. The other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. I love this part up here. Can you see a finger pointing at your own heart, at my heart? You are without excuse. Why is that? Because you know the word of God. You're without excuse when you start making judgments. You're without excuse when you read the back of that comic book and you find yourself in a position where you've got to have it. This is an insane kind of position. Because once that thinking is, I've got to have it, you'll find a way to get it. You've got to break that right then and there. Because it says you're without excuse. Can you imagine God saying to any of us, instead of me being up here, he'd be walking back and forth. Now, instead of looking at you, he'd be looking at your hearts. And he'd be pointing his finger. Oh, I see you, and I see you, and I see you, and I see you over there. You're without excuse. 
What a terrible thing to come under the judgment of God. The good news is we can remedy that today. There isn't anyone here that has to stay in that position. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. So we find out that, Skip, can you run the next scripture, please? I should have put the other one for the, uh, the prodigal son. It goes along with this. It says, when he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. This is what it's all about. When he came to his senses, he realized that what was wrong with me when I left my father's house? Am I crazy or what? Look at me now. Would the Lord want me? Would Jesus be happy to see me today? But see, he knew the answer. And what was the answer, by the way? He came back to his father's house. And was the father angry with him? No. Father was watching for him way off, it says in Scripture. Anxious to see his son come home. So anxious so that he ran out with a robe to put it around his son's neck. We read these scriptures as if they happened in an instant. Got to remember where this kid came from. Filthy with the mud of the pigsties all over him. Coming home, marching home. The whole town hating him because of what he did to his father. The whole town knew. And the father coming out with a robe and throwing it around his neck. And hugging him and kissing him. He didn't even give the poor kid a chance to apologize of what he did do. How sorry I am, Father. I'd have been better off to be a servant in your house than a son. He came to his senses. Now we got another problem. We have, and put that back up there with Isaiah 6 6. Whole different class of people. You got Isaiah, who was woe unto everyone in the whole tribe. Woe unto you. But he didn't see the truth. And the truth was. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand. And when he had taken the tongs from the altar, he placed it on his tongue. He found out then and there, the woe was on him. And God restored him by burning it out. Sometimes we need a little burn to be able to realize where we came from and what we need to do. Isaiah found that out. And we look at Isaiah as one of the greatest prophets that lived. And yet he had an attitude. He had a judgment attitude. Do you have a judgment attitude? That doesn't make you any different than the prodigal son in the mud. See, it gets down to the point of what do we classify as sin? In a nutshell, sin is anything that doesn't glorify God. From the simplest to the most bizarre things. Sin covers that. But these men found out and they came to their senses. So I'm asking you the question this morning. Have you come to your senses? Have you got a problem in your own life that you just can't seem to deal with, but hey, God understands. He knows how hard it is for me. Yeah, he does know how hard it is for you. That's why he went to the cross. He gave you an avenue, an opportunity to break this in the name of Jesus. And yet here we are together. And I can't see into hearts like God can. 
but God is talking to all of us today. Have you got something in there? Have you jumped off the wagon and gone down into the Canaanite land and living like the world? Or have you got an attitude against someone? Woe unto him, woe unto her. Now, I know this personally. There's a couple in here that do. They've told me so. Well, I'm talking to you today. You're sitting there listening to me. Woe unto you. And then the finger of God points out, you're without excuse. Boy, that makes me shiver. When we all get together, what a glorious day that'll be. When we all see Jesus. And then it goes, stop. Jesus is going to be glad to see you today. That's something we have to ask in our own heart. Would Jesus be glad to see me? You may be reflecting, well, I've done things. Oh, we've all done things. Do you love Jesus? Well, I've done, well, yeah, but uh, have you given your heart to Jesus? But you don't understand. Yeah, I know I don't understand, but Jesus does. Have you given your life over to Jesus? That's what this is all about. Coming to someone's senses. This isn't just for those pigsty guys and for the woe is me people. That's for anyone that's got that little pocket of resistance that they kind of keep to themselves. I've given myself 95% over to Jesus. Well, the 5% is enough cancer to kill you. The 5% that you keep in that little secret part compartment. When we have communion, it talks about examine yourself by the Holy Spirit. Why is that? So God doesn't have to point at the finger and say, you're without excuse. You were told week after week after week to repent, to come unto me. And how did that uh, father receive his son? Open arms. Racing, racing out. I don't know how old the uh, father was, but he couldn't help himself to race out and throw his arms around the one that asked for forgiveness. Come to your senses, church. The American dream is nothing but a, a lie. The dream God had for you when he placed you here is the truth. So with all being said and done, I thank you for being here to listen to me. Uh, if I made some of you feel uncomfortable, I'm glad. <laughs> Just plain glad because it's reaching home. And if there's something you have to do between you and the Lord, let's get down to business. Something we don't usually do in the church, and I'm going to close with the Our Father. And as we do, think of the words we are going to be talking about. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Amen.